Hello, my name is Bobby George, and I'm from the Bondek Montessori. Today, I am joined by Miss Wood. Hello, Miss Wood. <laughs> it's nice to have you back. It's Thank been a while you. since we've chatted, and it's uh, it's good to see you, and it's good to hear your voice. Um, today, we're going to discuss work. Um, there's this conception that um, Montessori students just work. They go to school and they work, work, work. And it might seem at a disconnect with our societal assumptions about uh, the value of work and this idea that children need to play. And so we thought today we would try to unpack some of that dynamic and um, hopefully have a thoughtful uh, conversation. Mm -hmm. So maybe I can get started by asking you a question. Um, Why do we call the activities in the classroom work? Well, that's really for our benefit as adults um, because we have this idea that um, work is something you have to do and play is something you get to do and um, that in order to value the development that the children are doing and and putting it into context for them of um, your parents uh, go off to work to do wonderful things and to make a contribution and your job is to grow Um, and so we name it work in order to parallel what their families are doing um, but also um, to add validity to what the children are doing for um, for parents sake of yes washing tables is very important work it's (laughs) not play um, or Counting teeny beads is hard work. Um, we think of these things as really easy because we don't remember how hard they were when, when we were this little. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, to kind of paraphrase maybe, is that Montessori fosters a positive conception of what it means to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we take uh, the work seriously, mm-hmm. which also means that we take the children seriously. Yep. But so how is this at odds with our normal assumptions of childhood? Um, well, we have sometimes an idea that um, children are at their happiest and the, the normal um, the normal way of play for children is that crazy, chaotic running around screaming um, that which you don't find at Montessori. Yes, <laughs> notably, we don't have in our classrooms. Um, but it's important to remember that the next thing that happens when you're having that kind of crazy runaround end of a birthday party craziness is tears um, and a meltdown. Um, we see that in the break room. <laughs> yeah, it's from the teachers. <laughs> it's not from the children. Uh, so um, we feel most um, at at peace and at ease and at invigorated and um, that stillness that comes with having done something successfully when we've completed a hard task. And for some of us, that means writing. And for some of us, that means manual labor um, or completing a hard Sudoku or whatever it is. And we see that same kind of um, relief from the children when they've completed their work of I've completed something that challenged my body and my mind and I've I've grown in this way and that's why we call it that's why we call it work there's nothing like it yeah it's a great feeling yeah. it's addicting um so maybe you can help us uh uh what type of work when we say work what type of work are we talking about 
Well, in the classroom, um, I had a very humbling moment this morning um, of... I, th- I still have moments where I think of, oh, you're not doing, you're not doing work. You're only doing art or you're only doing cutting <laughs> or you're, you've already mastered that. You're not, you're not doing work. Um, but that's me putting my shoulds on this child's development. <laughs> and it was incredibly humbling to think if, if we're going to have, um, the next Matisse and if we're going to have, um, incredible research scientists, the work of um, perfecting your watercolor or um, the work of sitting in the library and focusing on that research project is just as valuable as finishing your division packet or figuring out how to tie those bows. Um, and so giving the space to the children to, to focus on what they are being called to focus on or what they want to focus on, how how many times do you get in your life as an adult the time and the space to focus on what you really are being called to do, but that's when we have our most fulfilling moments, um, but also giving them the little coaxing or the little nudge, um, sometimes coercion, um, into pushing themselves further than they think they are capable. Yeah, so this re- raised a really interesting point for me, which is... Um, uh, typically, when we think of work, we almost, um, and maybe this is just my standard assumption, is that we think of work in terms of someone assigning us a task in which we need to complete. Mm-hmm. But for our students, they're assigning themselves tasks. Mm-hmm. Can you describe or elaborate the value that that imparts upon uh, our students and how it couples with the notion of work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes... sometimes we get ingrained with that at a very young age. And it's pretty heartbreaking when a four or a five-year-old comes up to you and says, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now <laughs> um, because they don't know how to how to choose what they're supposed to do next. Because right. we, we do, as a culture, really quickly figure out um, how to make checklists. And um, I'm very guilty of that. They're incredibly satisfying. <laughs> um, you know what you've done and you know Podcast what you need check. to do next. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, that sort of inner desire of looking around and seeing, okay, I've done that. Um, what do I want to do next? Um, and sometimes that is at odds for a child of um, what what might they do next. I want. I don't want to say should or I don't want to say need, but I might say to a child, you know, I haven't seen you work on your sandpaper letters at all today. Um, and so having... Um, that moment, oh yeah, those, I might, I might want to work on those. Um, there's sometimes, um, when you feel really passionately about math or about maps or about scrubbing tables, that works really important, but, um, we don't want to forget to eat our protein as well and work on the things (laughs) that, um, maybe aren't as appealing, um, to us, um, because of our individual desires um, or maybe we're still tentative with that skill. And so my job as a classroom guide is to remind the child of, of all the skills that they're capable of and remind them, you know, you know, you can do more than dusting. You know, maybe if you want to, to dust, this is something that needs to be dusted. Or I see you're dusting the sandpaper letters. Let's get out a chalkboard and trace those also. Right. So in the classroom, too, there's another big uh, key 
term that we should introduce here, which is purpose. Mm-hmm. All the work that we do is purposeful work. Mm-hmm. Can you describe how those are connected? Well, the only the this is very prejudiced thing to say, but only the purposeful work will lead to the positive development. Yeah. Um, so um, we could arbitrarily we've arbitrarily called this work, and um, if our culture didn't have the same stereotypes of play as being unimportant um, and that in order to call what the children do as being valuable, we have to call it work. We could just as easily call it play. And um, But you could have take a work off the shelf and really work on your gross motor skill of throwing it across the classroom, but that's not the purpose of that work. The purpose is... Um, to create new geometric designs, or the purpose is to work on your handwriting. And so um, the, the purpose of the material um, dictates um, what is being developed within the child of an academic skill, or an internal quality, or even um, a, a physical quality of cross-body movement or coordinated hands working together. Um, and so wearing the button frame like a necklace is not the work. Um, <laughs> working on the button frame and working on buttoning and unbuttoning is the work. Well, they lead to different paths, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the, the button frame on the neck doesn't necessarily lead to the path of play either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that um, I think we've had many conversations about is that um, another work Another word for work could be play. Mm-hmm. Or I had a conversation with Erin uh, Manning years ago, and she said that work is essentially the practice of practicing, like the repetition of that sure. persistence. And so there is a question here. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, um, what are the characteristics of work that are developed in the classroom? Like I'm thinking of like determination or persistence. Sure. And I won't answer the question for you. but Sure. Um, my... Um, word of the moment is integrity. Um, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that's, um, that's fostered through the type of work, um, that we have in the classroom, even the work of being able to walk in the door, carrying your lunchbox, um, of how do you carry yourself? Do you carry yourself with decorum when you're selecting a work? Are you only interested in the thing that your friend just announced that they were going to go work on? Are you interested in something that's truly calling to you? Um, Are you able to choose a spot that will allow you to do your best work and to do your best learning? Um, Or are you finding a spot where being distracted by your friend might become your next work? Um, And so having this um, ability to think through all these processes creates integrity and create self-control. Um, we also, because of all of um, the nature of our materials, um, we have um, a development of um, grasping for more knowledge, digging deeper, um, and seeing seeing what if. What if I tried to do division, um, with dividing seven by nine, um, is that going to work? And as a, as opposed to just saying, Oh, that's, that's not going to work. That's just taking a teacher's 
word for it or what happens if I try to wash my hands with soap before I use water um, all of that um, asking and discovering um, what if questions combined with the tenacity and the integrity to find the answers to those questions really creates creative thinkers and um, lifelong advocates for education. Yeah. And these are the questions like Matisse or in mm-hmm. your example, the neuroscientists would be asking mm-hmm. themselves instead of opening up the textbook and referring to page 30, yeah. 372. Or figuring out that all the answers are in the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they were. Yeah. <laughs> Which this leads me to my next question. Nice segue. Um, the ethics of work. Can you talk about like what that means and, and how it's developed? Because, I mean, <laughs> I mean, turning to the, page, the back of the book is something I never did, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sometimes... Um, Were they really in the back of the book? <laughs> some of them, in math. <laughs> um, sometimes we need to ask ourselves... Um, I should have opened the book, I guess. <laughs> right? <laughs> should have read it. Um, sometimes we need to ask ourselves, am I satisfied with the work I did today? Mm. Um, and, um, I ask myself that, and then if I ask myself that question and answer it honestly, um, the answer is not always no, it's not always yes, but it's not a rhetorical question in, in any sense. Um, because that can tell us where, um, where we were successful. And if we were successful, do we feel the need to delve deeper or do we feel that is satisfied and we can move on to something more challenging? We have the opportunity to reflect on our successes um, and to, to feel the pride of work instead of just the rigor of work. Um, and we can also say, uh, no, I, I failed at my goals today. Um, and so um, sometimes I will ask a child, are you satisfied with the work you did today? And it's when I ask myself that question, it's genuine. And when I ask a child that question, it's genuine. And sometimes they surprise me with, I was incredibly impressed with somebody's work. And I asked them, are you satisfied with the work you did today? And they said, no, I, I, I didn't do any language work. And I was like, yeah, but you completed your whole packet. Um, but just as it's not appropriate for me to put my shoulds on them of, you completed a whole packet, but you didn't work on language. Um, it's not appropriate for me to undermine where they feel that they need to to work harder, um, because that's still giving them an external sense of, of validation. We might reflect on um, what what they felt about their work, or um, where they felt they were successful, or where they felt, oh, tomorrow I might want to work more on that packet. Um, but how do you feel about your work and how do you feel like you, you gave everything today? Um, and do you feel like you have more to give or where do you want to challenge yourself next is an important question, um, for adults, um, just as much as it's an important question for our four-year-olds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we give lots of prospective parent tours. It's absolutely one of my favorite things to do because we have the opportunity, and we never take that for granted, of introducing a new family to Montessori. And we learn so many amazing things. And in one of our last, which is kind of what precipitated this podcast, is uh, the prospective parent made the comment that she was driving by, and she noticed that her kids, even at recess, were so calm. 
They seemed content. They weren't running around and screaming, etc., etc., etc. And it made us reflect upon, we just finished reading Angeline Lillard's uh, mm-hmm. book. And she made the comment that in um, uh, traditional public schools, the children are forced to sit in desks all day long. And then when the bell rings, they go out for recess. And so there is like this physical demand or this call that uh, they need to just run and run and run because they've just been forced to sit in a desk. Mm -hmm. But in Montessori, the children are always up and about. They're always walking around. And when they go outside, there's no major transition because it's just a different environment. But that same contentment still resides within their in their body. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that whole process. I I think it's interesting that um, are sometimes you see somebody who needs to work um, those big muscles, and so they'll roll all the rugs or they'll scrub tables, um, but they still respect. Um, the, the classroom and the needs of others, that inside is not a place where we run. Um, we run outside because that's where it's safe to run. Um, but um, sometimes they're they able to um, respect that um, even in a way that we don't expect two- and three-year-olds to be able to respect that kind of limit because they know that that opportunity is coming. That work, that running work, is coming because that's a work, too. Um, And that talking to your friend outside um, about uh, your birthday party, and, you know, there's a time for that work, too. And right now, um, we do work that... um, this space allows for um, because when we're outside we won't have an opportunity to um, roll rugs or we won't have an opportunity to wash dishes outside or whatever the case may be Um, and so we take full advantage of whatever each environment and each opportunity provides for because um, when we move on to our next environment it's not available in the same way yeah um, maybe one last topic we can address before we leave our listeners for today, which we started off uh, before the podcast officially turned on, which we should have turned it on before, <laughs> uh, talking about like this uh, movement that we seem to be witnessing towards uh, craftsmanship or, mm-hmm. or um, getting back into the sense of understanding things and how they work. Mm-hmm. An example that we discussed was like if you open up the hood of your car, you kind of see this giant sheet of nothing. Like you don't know what it is. It's yeah. all electronics. And I know this is kind of the standard example, but in the old days, you picture like the neighbors sitting next door and they pop open the hood of their Corvette and they look and uh, they're adjusting the carburetor or whatever. I really have no idea what is yeah. under the hood of the car. Yeah. <laughs> but but there's a sense in which our students are immersed in the, under the hood. They're under the hood. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Well, it's the, it goes back to that kind of what if. How do I do this? And, mm-hmm. and they're given the opportunity for that um, that playful thinking and that um, those um, possibility type moments where if I try to put the map in this way, is it going to fit? They're given the the opportunity to experiment, um, and because they have that opportunity, um, they don't have to just trust me to that. 
yes, this is going to work or no, that's not going to work. And they can trust themselves that they have the opportunity to make mistakes. They have the ability to, um, to fix any mistakes, any spills or anything that might happen. And they have the safety net of their friends and, and adults who love them that nothing really catastrophic is going to happen. And they, it turns into courage in learning um, and courage in, in exploring. Yeah, well, that's really beautiful. You said that really eloquently. <laughs> um, I guess we better get back to work now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for joining in. Uh, and if there's any ever any uh, topics that you want us to address, please feel don't feel free. Please feel free uh, to send us a note, and we'd love to love to hear from you. Have a great day. Thanks.